This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Friday night. It's the preview show. It's the No Nay Never podcast. Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the No Nay Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and joining me as ever is the headliner of the preview show, the main man himself, Dave Stapman Roberts. Dave, how are we? Hello, Natalie. I'm very well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And guess what? We've got a special guest. We have. Who have we got, Dave? Who's coming? Who's coming to play with uh, play out with us at the preview show? We've got Tom Whitaker this week joining us. Hello, Tom. Good evening. How are we? All right. Yeah, we're good. That's thought lost you there for a brief second. Right, Tom, this is right. becoming a habit. You're going to start being a regular, proper friend of the preview show. I love it. It's nice. It's exciting. I always feel like I've been let behind the curtain every time I come on. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be on again. Thanks very much for having me. No, you're welcome. Now, the reason why we've got Tom on, we have only got him for the first probably 10 minutes of the show, um, just because of, of a few clashes, is that um, we've had some diary clashes this week, which made it very, very difficult to get the team together to do a full analysis show of that Southampton game. Um, so, we're going to speak to Tom in the first 10 minutes of the show just to have a quick chat about what on earth happened at the weekend, which really wasn't the return to football that we wanted after that three-week gap. Um, And then, obviously, um, we'll let Tom go off and uh, Dave and I will carry on with your preview show. So we're going to have a bit of both this week, which is exciting. Um, Tom, you're going to have to cheer me up about the football because I'm just feeling very down in the dumps about that collapse and I'm, I'm struggling to just understand what on earth happened. Yeah, that really does sum it up for me. It was so... So unlike us, so strange. The only sort of factor that I could think that really had a big impact was the fact that we hadn't played for a few weeks. Like normally, obviously, the injuries we've had, we've been crying out for maybe a week or two off. But I think three weeks did throw throw us quite a lot. I think it, uh, it, it it's knocked our rhythm out a little bit. I think perhaps, especially with players being away, some summer away, some aren't. I think it had, that did make it difficult. I think that's the only thing I could really put it down to. But it looked like from the first sort of 20, 25 minutes, we exactly, it looked like a carbon copy of the Everton game. You know, we were on top, playing yeah. them off the park, carving them open, creating chances, a few goals in front, and you just 
yeah, I, I mean, I, I had a tweet that, <laughs> where I said that I could not see Southampton scoring two goals that uh, came back to bite me. But yeah, at that time, I really was baffled that that, that could happen. I didn't see anything from Southampton in the first 20, 25 minutes. And the majority of times we played Southampton, I've not seen anything from them. So uh, yeah, it really, it, it was a, a real head scratch. I think you summed it up brilliantly there. It's just, I don't know where that's come from, but hopefully it's just not something that, yeah. that we see again between now and the end of the season. Hopefully it's yeah. just one of those, one of those days, put it down to that and, uh, and, and move on. Yeah, definitely. Because and I think somebody did tweet me about this. Forgive me, I can't remember who it was and said, you know, we didn't have this kind of doom and gloom after the, the fantastic Everton result. And, it is a bit difficult, really, because you and I, Tom, have talked about this before, where you get a little bit frustrated with some games and you look at, say, for Everton, for example, and go, well, you know, why can't you play like that every single week? You know, why can't you dominate? Why can't you pass the ball? Why can't you pull goals out like that? It really frustrates me then. And you can go from having that Everton game to then having a Southampton game. And I think sometimes we have to have a bit of a reality check and realise that, well, the reason why we can't play that every single week is because we're Burnley. And the reason why the players can't, turn that on every single week is because they are 10, 12 million pound players and they play for Burnley. If they could do that every week, they would be worth 50, 60 million and they'd be playing for Manchester City. And I think that's fair without being disrespectful to us as a club. I think that's a good realistic point. But I still, I'm a little bit concerned about just a lack of discipline that I think that I saw in that second half particularly. And they just, they just didn't seem to be just the right application to the game. And and I do wonder, Tom, whether just this whole season as it has been with no fans in the stadium and the, the type of games they've had to come, I guess where I'm getting at from this is, is it, you know, do we take anything from this season and a few cracks in the, in the plaster for want of a better expression? Or is it, is it the fact that we have got a more of an ageing squad and we are getting found out a little bit more and actually it's going to be just as tough next year? I think this season is really hard to, mm. to judge. Uh, anyone really in terms of, I don't think you can really put this in a a long term or historical context there's some teams that have done really well out of playing in front of no fans there's some teams with bigger squads who uh, you look at Man City I don't think they'd have walked the league like they have if they, if they hadn't rotated in the way they've been able to you look at Liverpool the injuries they've had from uh, yeah, and you know I don't think it's a coincidence that suddenly they've had five or six injuries at crucial times in this kind of weird season. I don't think we'd have had the start to the season we'd had if it hadn't been for the fact that we'd essentially mm-hmm. had no pre-season and we're playing mm-hmm. catch-up in the first five, six games. And, you know, maybe if we'd won two or three of the first seven or eight games, we'd be three or four places higher up in the league and you'd be wondering what the fuss was about, you know. So I wouldn't read too much into it. That We know that there's underlying problems with the squad. It isn't big enough. There are We have got probably too many ageing players people like Bardsley, Peters, that are not long-term sort of uh, people we can rely on. But at the same time, I don't think that's, that you know, that's not been just this season or it's been an issue for two or three years and we, we've managed to pay for over those cracks for the last couple of, couple of two or three years, really. And I think we've got enough quality in the squad to do that. Um, the real question is going to be, I think, it, again, it's going to be a massive summer in terms of ingoings and outgoings and yeah. playing squad. That's where... Uh, we're really going to know what we're in for next season. Obviously, rumours about the manager leaving as well. We know Pope's going to be in demand. We know Tarkovsky's probably going to go. Uh, and it's what kind of money the board makes available uh, and what kind of players we can bring in to replace these these outgoings that is really going to make or break us. So I think for this season, basically, 
it's a weird season. Uh, we've not had a pre-season. We've we've had our injury problems as a, have a lot of teams. Basically, all this season was about was just getting it over the line, staying in the league, um, and then look for the yeah. summer to really kick on. And I think the fact that we've managed to well, we're looking like we are going to do that with the resources we've had this season. Uh, I think it's got to go down as a good season, really. If you spend a million quid and you've got hundred million rates in the year, you're setting yourself up for another hundred million next season. Uh, you, you've got you've got to say you've done well, really. So, uh, yeah, it's a bad result yesterday, and we've had some bad results, but we've had some good results as well. We've had some historic wins. Um, so overall, you know, uh, like I say, as long as we survive this season, we've had a good season. I think. Yeah, you know, I gave you the brief before the preview show to cheer me up, Tom. So I was a bit down in the dumps, and I think you, you certainly do that. You've always got a very good way of putting some perspective on it and I think that brings me nicely on to just a general conversation and I don't want to go too much into the game because I think a lot of us were all still a little bit shell-shocked with what happened I'm going to quickly talk about the penalty in a minute because I do think there was a penalty shout for us to equalise in the end which would have been a welcome much undeserved but also welcome point but looking at the table now you know are you genuinely convinced that we are going to stay up I think we are now back to six points, are we clear? Is it still seven? Is it still seven? I, I've completely lost where we are in the table. Still it is still seven. seven. Um, obviously, there was uh, the results went our way at the weekend, but if, um, if, if Fulham had have won, we'd have been looking over our shoulder a little bit. So there's still, what, nine, eight, eight, nine games left to play? There's still a lot of point swings that could happen here, you know, and Fulham do look like they're capable of picking up a win. Are you genuinely convinced now that we are going to survive? Yeah, I always have been. And uh, I think you made a good point there. I think that was the biggest positive we could take from the weekend, is even though we lost, nobody else won yeah. around. There's only West Brom, and I don't think we've got to worry about yeah. them. That's a good point, but it's only a point. Brighton lost from being ahead, Fulham lost from being ahead, you know. Uh, and I think what you said there, you know, Fulham, they do look capable of getting a win every now and again, they do, but it's the few and far between, you know, and that, that kind of game, you know, 1-0 up away from home with 10 minutes left and you're losing 3-1. I, I, they are capable of winning a game, yeah. Are they capable of winning three or four between now and the end of the season? I don't think they are, and they're going to need to win four to, to come above us. So, you know, we're only going to need support ready for me to win on the board and we're going to be safe. Uh, they've got a massive game, Fulham, they're playing tomorrow night, I think, Friday night at home to Wolves. That is a must win for them, I think, because if they drop points in that one, yeah. um, Newcastle have got two games to play before Fulham play again. They've already got, you know, uh, they've already played a game more than everyone else and, and all they did at the weekend was lose ground. So uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on them. There's been a lot of talk this season about how good they are. Personally, I've not really seen it. Dribs and drabs, they have the odd good game, but they don't win enough for me. So I think the gap that we've got now is uh, is very, very close to being sufficient. And I think if we can win on Sunday uh, and if we can get another two, three points from somewhere else, then we're not going to have to worry yeah. about Fulham. I think they've left themselves with too much to do this late in the season. Yeah, I think that's a good point as well. And I think, you know, if we beat Newcastle at the weekend, then, um, you know, that keeps them down there as well. And you always want to have as many teams as you possibly can down there. You don't want it to just be a one horse race. You want, you know, you and one other. You want to have it with you and a couple of other teams as well. Um, my other half, the current Mr. Bromley, says all the time that um, to if you win 10 games in a Premier League season, you will survive. And I did challenge on this 
challenge him on this not so long ago and I had a look at the stats. You see, I'm pretending to be Statman Dave. Stats gonna, Dave's going to be absolutely horrified that I'm um, pestering on his on his uh, turf. I can see him shaking his head at me. But actually, it's true. If you look back at the Premier League seasons, you have to go back a lot of years and it's not happened that often since a team, around the time that this 40-point survival became, you know, 40-point mark became survival. It's been a long time since anybody actually won 10 games and still went down. Uh, you look at the Premier League table, we've won eight. Um, you know, there's, there's been a few occasions where somebody has stayed up with like nine wins, but we've already won eight, so two more wins and we're definitely done. Fulham on the flip side have won five all season with West Brom and Sheffield United only winning four. Now, Fulham have, won, have drawn quite a lot of games. They've drawn 11, but, um, you know, it's just converting those win rates it has been really, really tough for them. Um, I, th- I think if we beat Newcastle at the weekend, then I'll be pretty confident that we're going to survive again this season. I just think the thing that worries me a little bit is that, you know, Brighton, um, West Brom, Fulham at home were very poor performances against other relegation candidates. And to get three draws from them, I was pretty disappointed. I think if we'd have won at least two of those games, we'd, we would have been well home and dry already so it just worries me a little bit about the nerves about a must-win game at home um but you know hopefully Newcastle definitely don't have anything about them and we'll do it um quick word then uh just we, we talk a lot about VAR and swings and, and roundabouts and things we got away with one against forgive me I can't remember who it was was it um was it the Wolves game? Which was the game where we um, Eric Peters should have had. Oh, Arsenal so. was well done, yeah. But then on the flip side, we should have really got one at, at St Mary's at the weekend to get the point. I think that, that late penalty shout for that handball was a blatant penalty. Yeah, well, there was two, wasn't there? I think there was a handball from Bertrand. It's a long ball. He watches it a long way. His arm's out. I don't know if he's controlling mm. it, but I think he was quite lucky he didn't look at that. But then you've got the really obvious yeah. one board, yeah. And it's one of them, like, if you go, if he doesn't connect with that ball, if you just that drops to the floor then it's it's a stonewall penalty and a red card but because he makes this effort to try and stay on his feet and he does manage to play the ball he doesn't go back and get looked at and regardless of whether or not he's you know he's got his head to it regardless of whether or not the keepers had to make a save the defender has fouled him i think if he's got that extra yard from not being took back he can angle himself and put that back in the corner and give the keeper no chance and i don't understand how that isn't being viewed on the VAR. I don't know how that's not reviewed. I don't know because it's not as if it's a, you know, it's a subtle one where they're just knocked into each other. It's blatant. It's, there's no attempt to play the ball. Um, and yeah, uh, the only thing I can think is they've already, you know, they've already missed a very clear and obvious one that they've had to go back and give on the VAR. Do they not want to embarrass the referee by by giving another one? Is it one of them situations? You know, we had Mike being where there was two or three where. He got decisions very obviously wrong and they used to get death threats and had to be relegated. And, you know, I think part of the problem with VAR is it is refs looking after refs sometimes. And I did wonder, you know, yeah. had it been, had we not had a penalty early in the game and especially a VAR penalty early in the game, would that perhaps have been uh, scrutinised a bit more carefully? But, yeah, obviously the wrong decision. And like you say, although we wouldn't have deserved it and we were way too passive in that second half, way too slow to react to the changes that Southampton have made, it, you know that we could have uh, sneaked out a dodge with the draw and the way the results went it would have been a fantastic point so yeah frustrating frustrating well i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go on that note, note tom but um you very much hit the brief you did cheer us all up and i think i'm gonna try and take a snippet of this preview show and, and listen to your wise words when i start to get 
nervous again towards the end of the season. I know Tom has to spend the vast majority of the season looking after me and telling me to calm down because I get a little bit emotional, a bit hyperbole and start shrieking and going, we're going to go down. It's all doom and gloom. And Tom just gives me a, a little on the head and says, shut up, you're going to be fine. And so I'm going to play this on loop, I think, when uh, when it's done. But listen, thanks, Tom. Um, hopefully we will be able to get our diaries mixed next week and we'll be able to do a, a full analysis show on on um, Newcastle and we'll also look at some of the accounts as well so we've got to look at them and a couple of other wider things and, and like you say those Daesh to Palace rumours so let's uh, hopefully we'll see you next week but thank you very much for joining us we'll let you go um, and uh, young Dave and I will carry on with the preview show Brill excellent oh I do love it when Tom comes and joins us young Dave it's, uh, it's very exciting but we now have a preview show that we need to get on with. Uh, before we get into that, we obviously need to um, look at a quiz question because at the end of the Southampton preview show, we had a question which related to Sunday matches as the game at St Mary's was Burnley's 50th Premier League game to be played on a Sunday. I'm just going to remind our listeners what that question was, Dave, and it was, which team did Burnley beat to register our first top flight win on a Sunday? What was that answer uh, the correct answer to that question was Everton uh, it was actually also Burnley's first ever top flight match played on a Sunday we didn't in, way back um, in the 70s when we were in the uh, top flight then they didn't play games on a Sunday uh, we didn't play our first uh, game on a Sunday I think until 1983 oh, wow. which was against Millwall but that was in a, a lower division um, so in actual fact our first ever top flight game on a Sunday which was the one against Everton. We won it. We won 1-0. Wade Elliott scored the goal. And that was the answer to the uh, quiz question. I think you pitched it a bit easy this week, Dave, because I did get it straight away, didn't I? Which is unlike me. That's the benchmark. That's the benchmark. (laughs) If you get it straight away, then I've definitely done it too easy. Have you heard this, listeners? Dave is well mean to me. He always says this. If I get the answer straight away after the show, he always goes, oh, man, too easy. Like, hey, I'm not that basic um but did we get any other correct answers please dave uh we did uh these people knew the correct answer we had uh david entwistle was in touch knew it was everton as was tim holden and also adrian Caton. they all knew the correct answer was everton now we had quite a late submission for an answer this week didn't we dave and we we might be having to put you on some reins because i think you're going to get a bit hardball with us aren't you uh, that was Adrian, yeah. We've, we've we've given Adrian the credit, but I think going forward, we might have to consider having a, a cut-off time. I don't know what you uh, what you think, Natalie, and I what our listeners think about whether we should have a cut-off. My view is, is I think if they, if they get the answer in before we record the preview show, I think that's a good enough cut-off, I think. Mm. I don't know. So, sometimes with the questions, they do kind of come up in discussion when the match is on. So I was thinking maybe kick-off time. If you get it before kick-off, that's fair dues. But after that, then maybe not. I, don't I know. think you're putting an awful lot of faith in our listeners not Googling the answers, Dave. I'm just going to throw that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can go to a pub quiz and get told to put your phones away. We don't really have that level of control. I think young Dave's getting harsh. I'm, I'm going to say... I'm going to... Well, actually, it's your show, Dave. It's your rules. You know, if you say before the game starts, then we might have to put it in we'll we shall collaborate on that listeners and we will inform you next week maybe next season maybe next season we'll bring that rule in but I think we've got between now and the end of the season to change Dave's mind and make him realize that the later the better opposition stats um but enough of that uh, we are going to let you obviously have another quiz question at the end of the show so do stay tuned but before we do that we have a preview to go through 
And it's, of course, Newcastle United at home this Sunday, the 11th of April, which is a 12 o'clock kickoff live on Sky Sports. Dave, why don't you kick us off, see what I did there, with the recent history of this fixture? Uh, yeah, well, matches against Newcastle United have been relatively rare in recent times. Uh, our paths have crossed in just four seasons since Burnley's first promotion to the Premier League in 2009. And prior to that, we haven't played them since the 1980s. Uh, the Magpies were relegated in May 2009. And any Clarets fans who travelled down to London the night before our playoff victory against Sheffield United may recall finding a pub and watching them lose. Uh, that was a, a 1-0 defeat at Aston Villa on the last day of the Premier League season, uh, and a defeat which confirmed their relegation. Uh, that match also resulted in a late red card in injury time at the end of the game for David Edgar. Uh, he'd go on to join Burnley just a few weeks later. Uh, they bounced straight back, whereas we had one season and then were relegated, so it wasn't until the 2014-15 season that our paths met. Uh, the Turf Moor meeting in December 2014 ended as a 1-1 draw. Uh, since then, there have been three further meetings between the two teams at Turf Moor, with two Burnley wins, both by a 1-0 scoreline, as well as a 2-1 defeat in November 2018. And we're going to spare our listeners the details at this stage, as we're going to feature both of those wins, as well as our only Premier League defeat to Newcastle at Turf Moor, in some of our regular sections, starting with the next one. Ooh, this is exciting. Highlights and lowlights. Um, so let's move on then to our next section, which is going to be our low light and highlight. Um, kicking us off with the low light then, I'm, I'm intrigued now to see what's coming for the rest of the show. I'm going to have to keep my ears open. What's the low light, please, young Dave? Uh, well, as we mentioned, with just the one defeat in recent seasons, we've decided to select that as our low light for this episode. Uh, the match which took place in November 2018 didn't get off to a very good start. Uh, in just the fourth minute, a shot from Kieran Clark from just outside the box took a massive deflection off Ben Mee uh, to give, uh, leave Joe Hart stranded and the visitors were 1-0 up. Uh, and then, following a short corner, Matt Rich's cross was glanced in by the head of Kieran Clark again. Uh, he made it 2-0 to Newcastle. Um, and although Sam Vokes managed to pull a goal back before the break with a very well-taken header, uh, there was no further score in the second half and the match ended up as yet another defeat in what was a very dismal first half of the 2018-19 campaign. Yeah, boo. Um, let's cheer us all up then with the highlight of this fixture. Oh, I like this picture you've put on here. Go on, tell our listeners what I'm looking at. Uh, yeah, well, with two home wins for Burnley in recent seasons, it was a toss-up this week for which match we featured as our highlight and which one we would keep back and use as our hero feature. Uh, both were narrow 1-0 wins, but we've gone for the win from October 2017 as our highlight. Uh, the match, uh, you may recall, marked the fifth anniversary of Sean Dyche being appointed as Burnley manager, and the players rewarded him and us with a victory and all three points. Uh, we had to wait, though, as it wasn't until the 74th minute that Jeff Hendrick, who is now a Newcastle player, of course, scored the only goal for the Clarets in front of the cricket field stand. Uh, Jack Cork's shot had been saved, but the ball came back to Johan Berg-Gummonsen, who crossed to Jeff Hendrick, he chested the ball down and fired a shot in past Rob Elliott from three yards, and it proved to be the winning goal. And that's our highlight for this week. Oh, dude. I miss Jeff Hendrick, you know. I wish we hadn't sold him. I know I divided fans, but I do miss him. Fixture flashback! Um, well then, turning to our new fi 
fixture, new feature for this half of the season. Dave, next year, we absolutely have to do something about the names of these features. You sit here every single week and you laugh at me because I get tongue-tied and I can't say these words. And our poor listeners must just be like, for God's sake, woman, learn how to speak. So the f- Just call it Match Day Memories, no one on Yes, that. our Match Day Memories, our fixture flashback feature, which is the first of our new features for the second half of this season. <sighs> this is, of course, the one which your chance to get involved in the preview show, Dave. Talk us through this section, please. What's going on? Do we have one? Do we not have one? Well, uh, each week we're asking our listeners to send us match day memories from a particular game from the past against our next opponents to be featured on the relevant preview show. Uh, For this episode, unfortunately, we didn't receive any audio recordings, but there were a couple of brief recollections from a match which we're going to feature in our Heroes and Villains section. So we're going to wait and mention them when we cover off that section shortly. However, we have planned ahead... And we already have an excellent listener contribution for our Manchester United preview show. Uh, That's not to say we wouldn't feature another if you'd like to get in touch. Um, After that, we're away at Wolves. So start thinking of past matches at Molyneux to see if there's a particular memory you'd like to share. And as always, you can uh, DM us on Twitter. That's at never, Or send us an email, podcast at net. And although we're more than happy to read out written submissions, we particularly enjoy the audio recordings. I think they uh, do get good listener feedback as well. Uh, We've mentioned this before, but the easiest website to use to make a recording and send us a link of the audio is vocaroo.com. That's V-O-C-A-R-O-O dot com. It's free to use, no registration required, and it's really, really simple. Let's move on then to, do you know what? I say this every week, but our listeners need to get involved with the flashback feature. Otherwise, we're going to have to bin it next year because it's the uptake's not been good. You guys are too shy. Send us your voice recordings. We we'll like it. Heroes and villains. Um, heroes and villains then, please. Who have we picked as our hero? I don't ask you who you picked for the villain, but let's go with hero first. Um, as we mentioned earlier, there was one other recent home win for Burnley over Newcastle. Uh, and that was in last season's meeting at Turf Moor, which took place in December 2019. Uh, despite being our top scorer again this season, with seven goals so far, Chris Wood seems to have taken quite a bit of flat from some quarters, although he needs just three more goals to reach double figures again in Premier League games for the fourth consecutive season. Uh, it was his goal in the 58th minute which ensured Burnley's 1-0 win in the corresponding fixture from last season. A good delivery from a corner by Ashley Westwood found Chris Wood, who headed the ball in to score the only goal of the game. The New Zealander was the hero that day, like he has been on so many other occasions since joining the club in 2017. And we can only wonder where we might be now without Chris Wood's goals over the last four seasons. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Although I was cross with him for losing that ball that that led to the uh, third goal on Saturday, but we're going to let him off for that because he's done done better than he's done worse. Um, Oh, God, I don't ask this. This is becoming a controversial section, is this one? Who have you picked as the villain? Please don't tell me you've gone rogue again, Dave. Uh, no, I think it's more understandable this week. Although, having said that, we picked um, Danny Ings as the uh, villain in our last yeah. preview show. And he, um, he uh, well, he lived lived up to that, didn't he, in his uh, goal he scored and involvement in the uh, in the game? He certainly did. That has not gone unforgotten, no. young Dave. I'm, I'm putting that in the retribution. <laughs> anyway, for our villain for this episode, we've gone back a little bit further in time. Uh, from a match which took place at Turf Moor on Boxing Day in 1975. Uh, Burnley were struggling towards the bottom of the old First Division, 
and although Clarets fans didn't know it at the time, this would be the club's last season in the top flight for over 33 years. Uh, With just a couple of minutes left to play, it seemed as if Burnley might have earned themselves a valuable point. But the visitors were awarded a late penalty after Burnley keeper Jerry Payton brought down Mickey Burns in the box and Newcastle United Scottish midfielder Tommy Craig sent in the resulting spot kick to give them a late lead. There was little doubt that the award of the penalty was the correct decision, although Burnley were denied a spot kick by referee Walter Johnson just a minute later when Peter Noble was brought down in the box at the opposite end. Some things don't change, it would seem. Anyway, we tweeted out a match summary from the game, and some of our followers replied with their memories. Uh, Andy Mack, who's AndyBFC62 on Twitter, remembers watching the game as a 13-year-old in the cricket field stand with his dad, and remembers the disappointment of that late, late goal. Gutted was the word he used. Uh, And meanwhile, Todd Claret was also in the cricket field stand, as he had a season ticket in there with his granddad. But they missed the end of the game, including Newcastle's penalty and Burnley's penalty claim, as they'd gone to queue for tickets to the FA Cup tie at Blackpool. Uh, He remembers hearing the roar from the away fans when Tommy Craig's penalty went in. So for scoring that late winner and adding to Burnley's woe, on Boxing Day back in 1975, Tommy Craig is our villain this week. Excellent. That's a really good... I like the fact that we put the, the fixture flashback feature inside the, the villain one. That's a good villain this week. That's how it should be. None of this sticking Danny Ings in there and all sorts of heroes from the past. I think we stick we stick to that, Dave. Well done. That's a good villain section this week. I like it. It's my favourite one. Um... So who's refereeing? Who have we got in uh, the middle? Who's going to not give us a penalty this week? Uh, well, him him or the uh, VAR. We'll come on to that shortly. Um, Anthony Taylor of Withenshaw will be in charge again at Turf Moor for this Sunday's game against Newcastle United. Um, he's already refereed three Burnley matches so far this season, and all three have ended in draws, as well as a goalless draw against West Brom at the Hawthorns last October. He was at Turf Moor for the 1-1 draw with Everton in December and was also the referee for our 1-1 draw when Brighton were the visitors in February. This will be the 20th Burnley match he's taken charge of and so far there have been six Burnley wins, six draws and seven defeats in the previous 19. Uh, The video assistant referee on Sunday will be Stuart Atwell and we can only hope that he pays more attention to blatant shirt pulling than John Moss did last Sunday when he was unable to spot Jan Bednarek trying to swap shirts with Chris Wood in the penalty area while the match was still in progress. Yeah, I'm still bitter about that. Uh, but let's not let's not dwell on that because our Burnley fans, we've moved on. That's the beauty of football, isn't it, Dave? There's always another week. There's always another you week. You may have There's moved on, I haven't. No, I, don't, I haven't. I'm lying. But you know what? I was trying to, dear, I was trying to, I was trying to take a leaf out of Tom Claret's book and G our listeners up. Stat my Dave's stat of the week. Um, let's not leave it there though. I'm gonna tell you how we can G our listeners up, and that is by letting your listeners have your bonus super present miscellaneous stat of the week. Uh, Yeah, this week's stat is, um, ever since English football started up again last June under the banner of Project Restart, every single Premier League game has been broadcast live in the UK. This means the number of Burnley games which have been broadcast live in the UK has risen. And this week we'll reach a new landmark, as the match against Newcastle United at Turf Moor will be the 200th Burnley game to be covered. 
Here are some stats relating to our previous 199 live matches. Um, only 15 of them were broadcast prior to 2000. Uh, 166 have been league matches during the regular season, with another 33 matches in various cup competitions and also playoff games. Uh, 98 of them have been Premier League games, which also means that the next game we play after this weekend, which is Manchester United away, will be our 100th Premier League match to be broadcast live in the UK. Overall, from the previous 199 live games covered in the UK, there have been 72 Burnley wins, 38 draws and 89 defeats. Wow, that's a good start. Isn't it kind of funny how our Premier League adventure started at home with Manchester United and it was the fixture we were all looking forward to and our 100th Premier League game ends up being Old Trafford. And I know United have had their ups and downs recently, but there's still a global pull. It's still the name and it's still the fixture that everybody wants to go and play, doesn't it? Just find it just quite a nice twist that United away is going to be our 100th broadcasted game. Um, well, before Dave and I go on to have a look at the game and decide whether we think we're going to win, lose, draw, and who's going to score, and by what manner, as we tend to do, uh, we do have an opposition view for you. And this week we spoke to Hodge from the Talk of the Two podcast to get his, his views ahead of the game. Opposition view. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having us on. Um, it's Hodgie from Talk of the Toon uh, Football Podcast. Um, just to kind of give a couple of opinions and stuff on Newcastle United at the minute. Um, being quizzed with some of the stuff like, are we going to be surviving the drop? Um, I think it's going to be very, very hard for us to try and pull something out of the bag, especially with our kind of run of form. Um, Fulham seem to be the ones that are giving us uh, the biggest run for money. They are actively trying to play football and, and wanting to try and push and win games whereas we seem to be holding back and trying to just secure something um, that's the worst thing for me and, and everyone else at the top of the tune we want to see our team try and, and strive to to become better and it just doesn't seem that way it seems to be going a bit backwards under Bruce still um, I think we can pride ourselves in calling it all correct and giving one back against uh, all the pundits that have supported Bruce earlier on in the season where we were saying we're getting very lucky with the results um, which we were and it's kind of come to fruition now that, that he is poor manager and his, his press conferences he's got no confidence in those he just comes out and spins a, a, another load of lies and just same kind of bull really um, which, which is never what you want you want someone to come out who's a bit more charismatic and have a bit of faith in the person who's going to come and turn your team around but he just doesn't seem like he's going to do it I mean we've got Burnley coming up, then we've got West Ham who are uh, challenging for Champions League, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester and City before we have two of what you would say easier games which is Sheffield United and Fulham towards the end of the season. Could go right down to the wire and it could go down to that Fulham game, let's let's hope it doesn't and, and change it and, and our look kind of changes by then. Um, you've also asked about the summer changes, if we do stay up obviously Bruce is going um, massively for, for us. If he doesn't go It'll just be the same kind of stuff again. Ashley, who's the club owner, he doesn't want to be there neither. You could tell like he, he, the sale was in his head. He thought it was all all kind of gone uh, gone through and done and dusted with the PIF, but um, it wasn't to be. He didn't put money in in uh, kind of January or even at the start of the season because he thought the deal was kind of done and dusted. Kind of bit us in the bum now, and it's it's not being not being the best. I mean. 
People that he's brought in recently have not made much change. I mean, Callum Wilson has been amazing and excellent in ASM. They've been the two standouts, but they've been injured. Uh, and there's no excuse to have kind of a backup. Jonathan has never been a backup. He's been an absolute waste of uh, time and money. I think quite a lot of people are in the same mind as us with that. Um, so, so kind of whoever really knows. Ahead of the game for against uh, you guys at Turf Moor. Lineup, I could probably say, is doing something similar to what we did with Spurs. Um, it's kind of a five at the back, kind of four. It it, it changed quite often, and and people were pushing out in in different positions, and it was quite fluid, which was a bit of a fresh air change compared to what we have seen in the past. Um, ASM should be back uh, in the starting lineup. He did get some game time against Spurs, so I'd love to see him in there and. I think there's talk that Callum Wilson might be back. If he is, it'd be great, but I don't see him starting um, just because of the injury that he had. Um, he might get some game time at the end, but but who really knows? Um, score, not too sure what to predict here. Um, I'd love to see a win for Newcastle, but it it really, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Uh, we can sometimes turn up and play okay and still get beat. There's sometimes where we just lay over and get our get our bellies scratched, and it's it's quite embarrassing sometimes. So. I think I'm going to try and be positive and say something good and I think we might be 2-1 to Newcastle. Um, so best of luck to you guys. Not too much though because we need it more than you guys right now. Um, thanks for having us again. Uh, I'll catch you in a bit. Cheers. Bye. So, Dave, putting aside our disappointment of that collapse at Southampton and our desire to get a couple more wins on the board to secure Premier League survival um, and also looking at this game in respect to the last three winnable games we had at Turf Moor how are we feeling? Um, I think it'll be a tough game, we know that I think Newcastle have maybe even though they didn't get the win, they'll have taken some confidence from the results at the weekend last weekend yeah. um, they know that from their point of view draws, well defeats are no good, draws aren't that good. They need wins, really. So I don't know whether that will affect their play, whether they'll uh, approach the match differently from from that perspective. I don't know whether that plays into Burnley's hands if they do. If if they play a more open, expansive game, maybe Burnley are able to play a bit more on the break, um, be a bit more expressive and, um, and, and get ahead that way. I don't know. But I'm... I think it's going to be tight still, but I'm going to go for a Burnley win. I think Burnley are going to win, and I think <gasps> it might be 1-0. Dave, this is bold of you. I love it. It's not usually you to be this confident. I think I'm just, I'm just nervous with how we played those home fixtures against Fulham and West Brom and Brighton, and the games that you just can't afford to lose, and it, you just... We've ended up on those games playing just far too withdrawn and far too nervous and just end up trying to go for a point rather than really going for it and trying to actually beat these these teams and, and take matters into our own hands. And I think sometimes Dash can get a little bit tempted to do that. He likes to play it tight and he likes to say, look, just stay in the game and try and nick it, fine margins and all of that. Um, so I'm not feeling that comforted, to be honest. That said... Um, I think we are a better side than Newcastle. Um, and I think we've got enough about us to... Uh, and the fact, if we can play like we did for those first 20 minutes, I don't think Newcastle have the ability to turn it around like Southampton did. Southampton are a much stronger side. I don't think they've got the ability to, to turn it around. So if we play like we did in the first half an hour and control the game, it should be job done. Um, I'm also going to predict a win, Dave, but I'm going to say 2-0. Um 
So who are you going to have as a scorer? Uh, Chris Wood. I'm also going to go Wood. I'm going to say I'm going to do the same as I did with Southampton. Chris Wood and a Ben Me header. There you go. I think that's it. Do we want to left foot, right foot header? That's no. I think that's enough. But listeners, we want you to tell us what you think the goal prediction is going to be. Um, you can tweet us at known and ever, or you can email us at podcast at knownandever.net. We want to know prediction, score, scorers. And how those goals are going to go in, um, David? What are we What are we looking like for injuries for the game? You know, have we got anybody who's struggling? I can see you've, you've left Mr. Um, well, when we're recording the obviously because it's a Sunday match, they won't do the uh, pre-match press conference till the Friday afternoon, so that's not doesn't really fit in with our recording schedules. Uh, so we won't know for definite any other com- uh, confirmation. We know that um, Kevin Long was, uh, he came back from internationals with a a calf injury, we think. Um, So he's looking unlikely, but he probably wouldn't have been the starting 11 anyway. Uh, Robbie Brady had an injury, so we're not sure, again, how that's progressed. But I think I'd be doubtful he's going to be involved. Um, Eric Peters has a thigh injury. Um, and Ashley Barnes is out as well. So it's it's one of those where it's probably mm. going to be um, similar to what we had previously, other than obviously Eric Peters was starting the game. He, he came off injured, didn't he? Uh, but Newcastle have their injury We've problems got Charlie as well. Taylor, got, haven't we? Well, Charlie Taylor's uh, back. Uh, Newcastle have their injury problems as well. They've got sort of five or six injuries as well, and there's a couple of their players, um, uh, Isaac Hayden, Fabian Shah, who, who were out for uh, the season. So... It's probably much for muchness uh, between the two teams from from that perspective. Although they they have been missing uh, Callum Wilson, haven't they? He's not been uh, uh, yeah. not been playing for them either. So he's uh, a goal threat for them, um, and he's one of those players who, um, if he was in the team, that might give him some more impetus. So I think from from that point of view, the the two teams are fairly evenly matched. Um, home advantage doesn't have the same advantage it once had. There's been a lot more away wins this season uh, than we've usually seen. Um, so that probably doesn't have as much bearing as it otherwise would. Um, but I think if we can play like we did in the first half hour against Newcastle, play like we did against Everton, um, put on a good performance, I think that I think we'll come out with a victory. I'm I'm, I'm confident of the win. Excellent. Fantasy Premier League update. Right. Well, let's leave that there because um, I think that wraps up what we were going to do for the preview show. And let's move on to the second half of our show, which is, of course, looking at the much coveted and highly competitive known and ever fantasy Premier League. Now, um, uh, we should be able to give full week as in we've, we've had a full game week, haven't we? Game week 30 is now complete. Dave, whereabouts are we up to with the, with the fantasy league? Uh, we, we are up to date, yeah, because the way the fixtures fell um, means that we've got the full week, uh, game week 30, um, and we're able to bring you an update of the latest standings at the top of the No Name Never Fantasy Premier League uh, following the completion of game week 30. So we've got, in reverse order, our top five, our first three are non-movers. We've got Chris Stanworth in fifth place on 1,950. We've got Gary Proctor still in fourth place, also on 1,950. Uh, Adam Dennett, again a non-mover, in third on 1,966. And then we've got a change in the top two. We've got Charlie Bins now, who's in second position. He's also on 1,966. But we have a new leader, uh, Sean Danaher. Sean Danaher's at the top. 
1,978 points. We obviously we had him as a uh, a guest. I don't think it was one you were on, Natalie. It was when um, me and Matt. No, it's when I was the, missing. Um, yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, Sean uh, came on, um, and he, he's now our leader. He's ahead, 1,978, a lead of 12. Still plenty of weeks to go, so there's still plenty to play for. Um, I've looked a little bit further down. There's also four other managers who are still within 50 points of that current top five. So there's still some hope for them, especially if they've kept hold of any of their chips, which might help to boost their score in the vital running. So the um, triple captain, the bench boost, uh, the free hit and the wild card. If you've not used all of those already, that can help to just push you that little bit extra if you need it towards the end. So we'll see if that has a bearing as we uh, as we close in on the final games. Indeed. Um, I'm assuming I'm one of those four managers who are within 50 points of the top, top are? Uh, no. Oh. You want to know where you are? Yeah, always. You've, you've not gone down, which is the good news. You're a, a non-mover. Uh, you're in 223rd place still with 1,292 uh, 1, points. Um, I'm up a couple of places to 124th. I've got 1,645 points. So that's only, what, about 350 ahead of you. Uh, the leader in our podcasters mini league is still Richard Steele. He's now in seventy fifth position with one thousand seven hundred and seventy two points. Ah oh, man, I'm doing all right. I think I'm doing better than I was last season. I'm actually, I'm actually doing things with my team each week, which is what I didn't do last season. I just didn't do any of them. I'm actually using those free transfer things, and I still don't understand what those magic buttons do. But I'm still trying. I'm still doing things each week. So, um, let's move on anyway. Who do we have as the game, the kings of game week thirty, Dave? Uh, well, we had. If you had all eleven of these players, even without your captain score, uh, you'd have got 141 points. That would have helped you move up the table a little bit. Um, but we had a 3-5-2 formation. So as well as uh, Alisson in goal, we had a, a back three of Mendy, Alexander-Arnold and Coleman. Uh, the midfield five uh, was Pereira, Trezeguet, Harrison, Redmond and Lingard. And a front two was Kane and Callum Robinson. Had a, a West Brom player in there. They obviously had a, a very good result uh, very surprising result win mm. over uh, Chelsea last uh, weekend. Good stuff. Um, well, the second of our new features for this season is obviously we have we take a look at what players we need to watch from the opposition team, and you do that based on their fantasy Premier League points. So, who are our three to watch from Newcastle, please? Well, I think our three to watch may well be a one to watch because uh, two oh of them I don't think will be playing. Uh, Callum Wilson is their top scorer with 116. Uh, goalkeeper Carl Darlow has 80. And Miguel Almiron has 79. But of those three, uh, Callum Wilson hasn't played since game week 23 due to injury. Uh, Martin Debravka has been playing in goal in place of Carl Darlow for the last five games, so it may be that Miguel Almiron will be the only one of the three to start Sunday's game, but we might find out more uh, as we approach the weekend in terms of the press conferences and then also definitely at uh, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning when the uh, teams are announced. Good stuff. Um, well, I think looking ahead at the fixtures, I think we're probably going to be able to do a full update again next week, aren't we, Dave? We are. The week after that, we can't. But for next weekend, looking at the way the fixtures fall, we can do another full week and then we'll think going forward 
um, and have a, a do something different for the other week, either get another guest on or go into a bit more detail on some of the uh, stats and things on the uh, Fantasy Premier League. Excellent. Well done. Thanks, Dave. Statman Dave's quiz question. Um, so finally then, let's um, close out our preview show with uh, the quiz question. What have you set our listeners this week? Uh, well, this week's quiz question relates to Burnley's past matches against Newcastle United, and I have made it tougher this week. Uh, so, uh, prior to Sean Dyche's time as Burnley manager, who was the last Burnley player to score against Newcastle United at Turf Moor? Ooh, that's a good question. How do our listeners submit their answers? Uh, well, you can get in touch to let us know your answers using any of these methods. Uh, tweet us or preferably send us a direct message on Twitter. That's at never. You can email us, podcast at never.net, or you can reply to the post for this preview show, which go up on either the Known Never Facebook page or also on YouTube, and we'll reveal the correct answer, as we usually do, at the start of the next preview show. Good stuff. Um, have we got any community news, fixture news, any other business that we need to let our listeners know before we let them go for the weekend's game, Dave? Uh, yeah, there was a couple of things I was going to mention. Uh, first of all, we do have a competition winner to announce. Uh, after we interviewed Paul Weller uh, in, during the last international break, uh, he kindly agreed to let us have a copy of his brand new biography. And after the Easter Bank holiday weekend, we selected a winner. Uh, that was uh, Matty Bush. So well done to Matty, who we've already been in contact with uh, to win his prize of uh, Paul Weller's book. Uh, that's Not Such a Bad Life. He's written it with Dave Thomas, and it's out on uh, next week, actually, the 12th of April, which is good timing for bookshops reopening, although it's also available online or directly from Paul himself. If you want to get in touch with him, he's Paul Weller 18 on Twitter, and you can uh, get books directly from him, and I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll sign them as well. Um, and Another thing to mention as well, I don't know whether you've uh, picked up on this uh, this week, uh, another former Burnley player who who you know, I think you've uh, been on with him on Radio Lancashire, haven't you, in the uh, in the past? I have indeed, yeah. yes. Uh, another player who had a book out last year as well is the inspirational Len John Rose. Uh, he's trying to raise awareness of motor neuron disease, MND, uh, which he's been living with since being diagnosed in 2017. Uh, his latest fundraiser is the Icefoot 92 Challenge which you may have seen on social media and also in the press as well as on radio and TV uh, recently. It's been launched this week. Uh, if you don't already, you can follow Len on Twitter. He's Len jo- uh, L. John Rose uh, on Twitter. Or look out for the Icefoot92 hashtag or visit the following Just Giving page. Uh, that's justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash project92. And you can find out all about Len's Icefoot 92 challenge. I shall indeed. I have not come across this yet, so I'm going to have a quick look. Oh, gosh, the first one I speak to is uh, is Chris Sutton. That's the first hit I get on Twitter. Wow, you could have, uh, you could have warned me about that, Dave. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Um, do we have anything else? I think all the fixtures we've already gone through haven't we? I think that's everything, isn't it, for this week, Dave? Yeah, we know that um, the Man United and Wolves game are both on Sunday, so all our April games are Sundays, and then they haven't uh, announced the times and the kickoff dates for the games after that. So we'll have to wait. I'm guessing in a week or so they'll go ahead and do the uh, the next batch of probably the games from the early part of uh, of May. 
Good stuff. Well, that is definitely all we have time for this week then. Listeners, we're going to let you go to enjoy the game and what will hopefully be a good win for Burnley to get us closer to that magic safety net. Uh, My thanks go to the usual contributors to the preview show. Firstly, to Hedge from the Talk of the Tomb podcast, his opposition view. To Turf Moor Stadium announcer Dominic Walker for the specially recorded preview show announcements. To Tom Whitaker, Claret Tom, for joining us again on the preview show and giving us a little bit of reaction to that Southampton game. Um, To producer Matt for um, knitting all of this together and getting it out there. But most importantly, and always, to Dave Roberts, Statman Dave, the hero of the preview show, who, without his just hard work, all of this would not be possible. So thank you, Dave. You put in so much hard work to the show, and it's my favourite thing that I do all week. So thank you. Um, Finally, thanks to you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated, and we will not be here without you. Um, Hopefully, the rest of the team will be back on Tuesday with the analysis show, hopefully looking at a a Newcastle win. And Dave and I will be back next Friday night for another preview show ahead of the next fixture. Um, That's everything. So stay safe, guys. Enjoy next week. The latest lockdown restrictions will be lifted on on Monday and we'll be in roadmap step three. We'll be able to go and sit in beer gardens and go into shops and get all our hair cut because we're all desperately in need of hairdressers. Um, so I hope you're keeping well. I hope you're all looking after loved ones, looking after yourselves. If anybody's struggling as we come towards this next phase of lockdown um, and you just need someone to talk to, the known and ever door is always open. If you want to be our pen pal, you can drop us an email if you just want to interact with us on Twitter, you know where we are. Um, we will be back next week. So in the meantime, take care. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.